When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to this week's edition of the 360 Recruiting Podcast, presented by Sooners360.com. I'm Matt from 360, and I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Mason, our lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners360. If you haven't already subscribed to the weekly pod yet, hit the subscribe on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Uh, News out there, it's a little slow right now. The bowl game is the main focus for the program. Uh, obviously they kick off tomorrow night. We are recording this Wednesday night. Um, so guaranteed to have a hundred percent of this podcast free of any bowl content, just in case you're expecting the worst. We'll try to keep it as positive as possible. Just in case, uh, after the bowl, everything goes back to work afterwards, uh, with the portal, more high school recruiting. There's a little bit of room in this class. We'll see if the coaches decide to add anybody, Uh, some possible coaching decisions coming up. So after the bowl game, there'll be a lot more news. Uh, But for now, um, we're going to stick to recruiting, kind of analyze the class we just signed, uh, as well as go over a few portal commits that we recently got. And Chris, let's go over Reggie Pearson Jr., a safety portal commit transfer from Texas Tech. Yeah, we missed talking about him on the on the high school signing day pod uh last 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 Friday. Uh we kind of skipped him, so I'm glad we have a chance to roll back and talk about him. Reggie uh started at Wisconsin and moved to Texas Tech. So, he had a really good uh redshirt freshman year at Wisconsin. Uh, and then his sophomore year he was uh he got injured and wasn't able to play. So he then decided to transfer to Texas Tech. But I do like the fact that he had a really productive year at Wisconsin under Jim Leonard, who I think is a really good defensive coordinator, does a really good job with his safeties. So he's got a good, really good foundation there. And then he's had two really productive years at Texas Tech. So uh, last year he had about 55 tackles, uh, a couple, you know, had a couple of interceptions. Uh, was really physical. He's the guy that knocked Dylan Gabriel around on the trick play. He's a, he's a hitter at the safety spot. He's about 5'11", 200. So he's not a small guy. He's he's not like some 5'9", 190, sorry, 5'9", 180 safety. He's a big guy, got a really solid frame, and he brings just a lot of experience to the OU safety room. I know we were all very frustrated, and we saw the defense kind of fall off a cliff when Billy Bowman got hurt and Key Lawrence wasn't really able to come back from his his ankle injuries was just stopping him really from having any productivity last year. 
So I think red, adding Reggie Pearson to a, a safety room that's adding a lot of talent and has good young talent, I think it's 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 a win win for Oklahoma. And he's he's a six year senior, so if for some reason the young kids surpass him, you know Reggie's moving on, so it's not like he's going to be taking up you know a lot of roster space. Well, and uh, you mentioned Key Lawrence. I, I'm wondering if you know that's that's a guy who hasn't really been able to string together uh, you know a healthy stretch of games. Uh, he also looked pretty shaky early on in the new scheme. I'm wondering if Pearson is kind of a guy they're bringing in to either push Lawrence or his place. Well, I think either either works for you works for OU, right? If if he's pushing Lawrence and Lawrence responds to that and puts together, you know, kind of the play we we saw we thought we were to get out of him from the 2021 Lawrence, who was playing safety, playing cornerback, and looked looked and looked at fantastic at times in the in kind of the broken Grinch scheme. So if Lawrence responds, fantastic, right? Then you've got an additional senior leader uh, in the in the room, someone to work with the young safeties that we've got, and you won't have to put two young safeties out there by themselves if if somebody gets hurt. Uh, but if he surpasses Pearson, that's really what we that's what this defense has been missing, right? We've been frustrated over guys continuing to play, even though they're struggling. You need competition, competitive competition for snaps and for and for uh, action on the field. And I think Pearson brings this. He's also, you know, he's a very physical safety, so he's bringing a model of what OU, the OU coaches want. And, you know, OU's going to have Peyton Bowen in spring and uh, Robert Spears uh, Jennings at safety and Day McCullough enrolls in the fall. So all of a sudden the safety room is starting to have some bodies. So uh, it's nice to have perhaps a, a veteran veteran leader uh, in there to help as well. And Billy Bowman, you know, he 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 lost a significant chunk of last year and he's still learning this scheme as well so i think pearson can help bowman as well and i think it's a a little bit different than how they hit the portal last year uh a guy like jonah laulu who is is good he's he's got some talent he's not an elite guy he's not a guy you, you want to depend on to start he had a little bit of leadership to him Pearson has the leadership to him, but he's also got the pedigree and production and can slot right in and possibly even start and make a difference on this team. Yeah, and I think you like the fact this goes back to um, uh, Jacob Lacey. You, you like the fact that he's coming He's coming from a Wisconsin. I know he's had a stop at Texas Tech, but his foundation is at Wisconsin and Jim Leonard. So he knows how to play defense. He knows what physical defense is about. So you're not picking. So you're you know, again like Jacob. You know, Lacey was from Notre Dame, played for Marcus Freeman. Notre Dame has good D line play. So again, you're adding a veteran from a good defensive program, from good defensive coaches, which I think you know kind of leads into some of the theory behind our next commitment. Yeah, Trace Ford uh, from Oklahoma State, defensive end, originally out of Edmond. So he's an Oklahoma kid. Uh, he has some decent production over his career. Uh, he was a freshman in 2019, uh, kind of seen with uh, three sacks. He had a pick and a forced fumble um, in kind of limited duty in 11 games. So 
you've got a guy who has a lot of potential, but he has kind of hit the injury bug after that. What kind of impact can Trace Ford have? Well, he lost all of 221. Um, he tore his knee up, I think, at the end of 2020. And I think in between 19 and 20, he also had suffered a knee injury, I think maybe in spring. So um, in spring or either August camp, I'm not quite sure. I'll have to double check that. But he's lost. He's had two knee injuries. So he's lost a lot of playing time and a lot of practice time due to that. So, but his start, his start was really strong on the Jim Knowles, Oklahoma State defenses that were playing good football. Jim Knowles is now the uh, defensive coordinator at Ohio State. So again, he's coming, he's, you know, he's coming from Oklahoma State. So we'll have to try and suppress all of our natural urges to just, you know, be sick and just move on and just try and try and objectively look at him. He's been very productive for a good Oklahoma State defense. And last year he played, he played some, he was, he looked, didn't quite look himself. So I think the positive spin of that is maybe he needs another year just to get beyond the second knee surgery and he'll respond. The The other spin may be that, you know, maybe you're bringing him in and he's a situational pass rusher for you, uh, that he can provide depth at, at defensive end. You're not going to start him. You're not going to put him in the game for 60 you know, for, you know, for that many snaps, but you're going to rotate him in. He's a leader. He knows how to rush the passer. So for your young defensive ends in the program, R. Mason Thomas, P.J. Adebore, who's enrolling early, just like Bowen, you know, you're kind of bringing in this guy, this this leader, this person who knows how to be a, who knows how to be an old Big 12 defensive end. So I think the upside is is very positive for OU. He could be a a defensive end presence and especially a pass rush presence. But on the other side, you know, he's, he's coming in and and he can certainly play defensive end. He knows how to schematically play it and maybe, and he can push Grimes, Downs and Lialu to raise their level of play, right? We just need another person pushing them to start playing the position better. Yeah. And even if you can get, you know, like you were saying, 10, 20 snaps of pass rushing per game out of him. You know, you're taking his his best talent, uh, keeping him fresh, um, and he could definitely make an impact. He does have two years of eligibility left, technically, um, which is good. It's always nice to have that depth. Um, a couple other positions that OU is trying to stack some depth, depth at is wide receiver. Um, we've gotten some bad news this week. Two guys that OU really targeted early have both committed to Ole Miss. Chris, what happened with Chris Marshall and Trey Harris? Now, Chris Marshall seemed to have been something OU was trying to get involved in, and he then chose Ole Miss, um, which was kind of a surprise. I thought he was targeted to join uh, TCU, join JoJo Earl, the Alabama wide receiver uh, from Texas. Uh, from Texas high schools, he's at TCU, and I thought Chris Marshall, another Texas high school product, leaving A and M. I thought he might end up at TCU as well. Instead, he's chosen Old Miss. He's chosen the Lane Kiffin offense, which is very productive for big wide receivers. Trey Harris, I think this is a case where Kiffin's scheme and maybe some distance issues. Um, Trey Harris played at La Tech. So Old Miss is closer in that whole SEC area than OU is. 
So it was a big blow. I think OU thought they had him wrapped up when he visited um, the last weekend of, of visits. Um, but OU's lost him. So the question we have right now is, there's a lot of talk about uh, West Virginia wide receiver, Caden Prather, who is a uh, Maryland, D.C., Virginia area player. Um, um, uh, Jaleel Farouk knows Prather. So does a couple of the other uh, Virginia Virginia area, uh, D.C. area players on the OU team. So they know him. So the question we're trying to track down is whether he visited Norman or not. There's no social media sort of evidence of it. Uh, we have a source that says he did, and then we've got a source saying he didn't. So we're kind of we're kind of stuck right there. But if Prather could take a look at OU, verbal to OU, that would be a big step in adding a, a wide receiver piece. And of course, you know, on our message board, we've been on our VIP board, we've been talking about the the sooner future of of Marvin Mims, which I think plays into this quite a bit. I think some wide receivers are thinking Mims is coming back and it's going to be the one A guy and. Baruch's 1B, so they're not quite seeing where they can come in and, and star. So once the Marvin Mims, Mims situation gets resolved, I think that might help OU recruiting. It's definitely a storyline to watch. Uh, another storyline to watch is even with Lacey coming in uh, about a month ago, now we have Ford. It appears that OU is still going after a couple D linemen, including Wake Forest defensive end Rondell Bothroyd. Chris, tell me a little bit about him. Well, he's really productive for Wake Forest, has been the last two seasons. He had like 12 tackles for loss and eight sacks last year. A little less productive this year, and Wake's defense was a little less productive as well. He's 6'4", 265, probably could play end for the OU 4-3 scheme. And if we went for some three-down lineman look, you probably could move him more of like a 3-4 defensive end look, defensive tackle kind of look. Uh, I think he would be a huge addition for OU. He's a captain. He's He looks great on film. I think he's really going to have a lot of pursuers in the portal. So if OU could get a quick quick relationship going with uh with uh with Boothroyd, that would be Rondi. Rondi's I think he I think he goes by Rondi Boothroyd. Um, I think that would be huge for OU. He he would be a definite starter and would basically take one of the one take one of the OU starting defensive end spots. And you mentioned he was a captain at Wake Forest. Just seems like the type of Venables, Chavis, Bates all want in their defensive end room. Um, playing on that D line. Like you said, he could be pretty flexible with his position. Uh, so it's perfect for this kind of hybrid defense that Venable seems to be working towards maybe more of a three, three, five front. So he would, he would definitely still fit that another defensive tackle that has uh, one, one, one last oh, thing I'm sorry, Matt, to interrupt um, is that from Wake Forest, obviously Clemson and Clemson and Wake Forest play every season. So um, Brent and Todd Bates are very, very familiar with him. So there's a possibility that the sort of the pre-existing relationship um, and, and knowledge and contact of each other might give OU a, a leg up in this situation. Well, that'll be, it'll be one to watch here soon, especially with uh, visits opening back up. Uh, before we jump to that, uh, another defensive tackle that OU recently offered, Davin Sears from Texas State, 6'2", 295. He's picked up 
quite a few major Power Five offers recently, uh, which is kind of an interesting thing based on his production. Um, but Chris, what do you see in Sears? Well, his production's very limited, but sort of in the highlights, you can see he's got a physical burst. He's playing on the other side of the line of scrimmage. Um, our, uh, our resident analyst tracker guy, Caleb, has found some videos of him dunking the football. I'm sorry, dunking the basketball. He's not always dunking the football. Dunking the basketball uh, just looks really athletic. Looks like there's a lot of upside here. Um, so it's going to be interesting. He's gotten a lot of offers. I mean, he's gotten for his stats. He's his his stats don't equal his Division One uh, Power Five offers. There's a disconnect there. Everyone is seeing the same thing that there's there's some unlocked serious potential with him. And he's talking about making a decision soon. So uh, to the best of my knowledge, he's not really visited anywhere. No one's really able to do visits right now with all the bowl games going on and all that. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see if he's if he's kind of already got a predetermined uh, location that uh, some 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 communication and pre-communication has is routing him somewhere. Well, in the portal world. That would not be, you know, certainly wouldn't be unexpected. Well, uh, we've there. got the we've got the the story about um, uh, is it Jack Hartman from Wake Wake Forest's quarterback? You know, hadn't even hit the portal yet, and then all of a sudden, everyone's running with stories that he's gone to Notre Dame, and then a uh, bunch of coaches uh, were retweeting that, being very making very pointed comments about tampering. So it's 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 getting ugly out there, and it's only going to get uglier. Well, with with that going on, uh, there's there's a couple other big names or two that might be in play for OU. Um, we're kind of hearing a few things out there. Uh, we're still collecting some intel, so be sure to check out Sooners360.com for the latest on the portal. Um, Chris, we'll circle back to the. Uh, kind of what I mentioned earlier about the visits opening back up again. Uh, what's going on with the official visits that OU has? Well, all college football teams have 56 official visits that they're supposed to use from sort of a March 31st to the following March, you know, to, to the following March 31st time period, like a 12-month time period. Uh, it's, not, it's not a calendar year because nothing really goes calendar year with the NCAA and you know, nothing really works that way. So a lot of schools, including OU, are just out of visits because of all the uh, all the chaos in, term, in terms of their roster, recruiting, portal, losing players. So the NCA put a one-time, made a one-time decision to give all programs 14 visits to use from, to use in January through uh, the first, the, the, the February signing day which is uh, going to be February, I believe February 1st this year. So OU's got, OU is out of visits. So a lot of the reason I think some fans have been frustrated about OU's sort of lack of like attacking the portal has been, they, they just didn't have any visits. So to get a kid from out of region on campus, you got to use an official visit and they're out of, they're just out of official visits. The last four they had, we believe went to Marcus Strong, Trey Harris, Reggie Pearson and and we think Caden Prather if he if he was on campus. So OU will now have these visits to use on a combination of portal players, high school players, JUCO players, 
um, for the month of January. Um, I, it's, it's through March 31st, but February's going to be, it looks like it's going to be a dead period again where you can't have visits. And then rising June, rising seniors, the 2024 class can't take official visits in March. So you would be left trying to recruit portal players in March who wouldn't be able to enroll early for spring. So I think you, I just, I, for the most part, this full team visits is a Jan, is a January thing. That's that's pragmatically where the most of them, if if any, are going to get used. Well, then this bowl game kind of came at the right time. Uh, kind of gives the staff a chance to turn their focus to the team a little bit more. Maybe go through bowl prep, see if some other positions of need come up. Doing that eval. Uh, now we come home from or- uh, Orlando. They'll have a little bit of time to set up those January visits, really evaluate exactly what they need, kind of attack those guys. There's still some bowl games later than ours, possible transfers from some playoff teams, maybe some guys stuck behind some higher end talent. I mean, that's why those teams are in the playoffs. So, you know, if if fans are worried about what's going on, we've already got McCullough, we've got Ford now. We've got Lacey. We've got a couple other guys that can really, you know, lay the foundation for these transfers. And then now we can be pick and choosy about who we bring in, if they're the right fit. There's plenty of time. And then you did mention kind of that March window. A lot of these guys are still going to stay with their schools, go through spring practice, might be some uh, heavy talks with their coaches at that point, enter the portal after spring. So, we have a little bit of flexibility here. Um, all is not lost. We're we're on a good roll. Um, and then I'm going to circle back to the high school recruiting class. Chris, we signed 25 guys in the early early season this year. We are allowed to go above 25. You mentioned the second signing day of February 1st. Do you see us adding any other high school players? Well, so far there there's some 23. There's no new. 2023 high school offers right now. Uh, but I think that will change once OU gets back to Norman. The coaches are able to start scouring their film, take a look at their lists, talking to contacts uh, in the high school ranks about, has somebody slipped through? Do you have somebody I should be paying attention to? Um, and there's some kids that just didn't sign that maybe OU takes another run at. Um, and some of those some of those probably won't go anywhere, but you know you have to figure that oh, you will at least uh, kick the tires on some of the talented prospects that didn't sign in December and are instead going to instead are going to sign on February first. But right now we don't have any names. But I think the three the three areas I think to watch, having looked back over everything in the numbers, would be a high school offensive lineman and maybe another high school pass rusher. And that could be somebody who's just slipped under the radar, uh, someone who's maybe, you know, kind of like a tall, uh, you know, like a tall, lanky kid, someone who's in the 6'4", 6'5", range, who's maybe 210 right now and had like a great season, but, you know, is going to need some weight room time. Um, OU could could certainly sign that kid using the the additional ships and, you know, put them into their their development program. So... Uh, I think those are probably the two areas I would look. And the third one 
would be tight end. Um, Brent made a passing reference to trying to add another tight end. Um, I think we thought that was going to be uh, the Roberts kid from University of North Texas who entered the portal right around signing day. And it looks like he's getting a lot of interest from elsewhere and maybe maybe he's not looking at OU. So we'll see if a, another tight end somehow appears on the radar um, on the high school the, on the high school side of things. They have offered some. They do have one JUCO offer at wide receiver. Um, he's got a top seven list that he put together at the end of October. Doesn't have OU on it. It does have Utah um, and South Florida on it. So he's getting a lot of interest. Um, OU is following two JUCO players. That's follows, no offers. These are both guys. Um, Miguel Chavis is following. The first one is called, uh, the first one's Jefferson Adam from an Ohio JUCO. He's a, he is a pass rusher. Um, he's originally from Nigeria. He has really good footage um, from his, uh, his uh, second year at JUCO. And then the, the other name is a new name. It's uh, from Tyler, Tyler Junior College. So a little more, Familiar territory for OU. His name is Michael Nowakocha. We'll go with that. We'll go yeah, with that. Yeah, that's what I would go with. That's not probably not the right phonetic correct spelling culturally wise, but we're gonna we're gonna not gonna, not gonna make a we're not gonna butcher it any further. Um he's 6'5, 290. He looks really good on film. He's playing primarily def- big defensive end. So no offers there yet, but OU's kind of circling those players and Either one might make sense if you wanted to add uh, one more D-line piece uh, to this class. Wide receiver-wise, I think we the men's decision, then the portal, and then I think OU perhaps decides if they want to make a big push for Montgomery uh, at wide receiver. Well, keep to Sooners360.com for the latest on portal uh, high school offers if they do come. Uh, We're updating over there every day. And uh, again, we'll have a 360 recruiting podcast weekly throughout this kind of portal season uh, as new names pop up. Circling back to the class of 2023, uh, the 360 staff put together a recruiting class grades as a sort of wrap up feature. Uh, Chris will be posting the results on the VIP forum soon. Um, you just want to kind of go through the whole class as the 360 staff saw it, Chris? Yeah, I've been doing these wrap-up features for about 20 years. So um, we'll we'll have this posted up on the on the VIP board, as you said. And uh, I just like to we're gonna talk a I like to give the the each the class a quality grade and a quantity grade. And the quantity grade is more or less did you meet your needs, right? I mean, does it I think Sometimes the recruiting classes don't always get ranked correctly because sometimes you get too too focused looking at like the top players and you're not actually realizing they didn't meet their linebacker needs at all. So for this class overall, uh, I would give the quality of this class a very high grade, a grade of A. And the main reason I'm kind of justifying that is you have a five-star quarterback, a five-star pass rusher, a five-star safety, top 50 O-line, top 50 wide receiver, top 100 cornerback, top 100 cornerback, top 100 linebacker, 
top 200 running back, top 200 linebacker, top 200 D-line, a top 10 National Juco Player of the Year, National Juco Player, and then finally a top 300 safety and a top 300 cornerback. So I just rattled off a lot of numbers and names there, but, but basically over half of this class is somewhere in the top 300 of 300 players of the nation. It's solid front to back. And all of these guys are positions of need and basically immediate positions of need. So it definitely fills in uh, what we're losing in the portal, what we're graduating. It's, it's the best class OU has signed in quite some time. So I, I agree with your A. I think that's a perfect rating. Um, you know, maybe if we did end up getting David Hicks, you're swinging it towards A plus, but you can't complain about an A class top top five when you look at twenty four seven composite. I think it's fantastic as far as the quantity goes. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I do think there are some misses in terms of of needs here, and I think the first. I think the first obvious one, based upon the players that OU didn't sign, uh, would be uh, would be a high school pass rusher. I think another pass rusher is needed in the class. Uh, I think if you move Derek LeBlanc inside to sort of an interior defensive lineman position, that means you've only got Tyler Wine and PJ Adeware on the edge. So I think they could have used another edge rusher, especially with the defensive end. Uh, challenges in terms of production. I, I think another high school offensive lineman would have been nice, and that's mainly because of the shortfall we've had the two previous years. So not really a not really an issue for this staff, but undersigning the last two previous years, I think, has hurt OU a little bit. I would have liked a full O line class, um, and then I think you can kind of nitpick that maybe you'd like another linebacker or another tight end. So I'm going to go with uh, a grade of A minus once we balance everything out, um, especially factoring in that from a depth standpoint and talent standpoint, OU had three linebackers and seven DBs. Two have potential to be sort of cheetah will linebackers. So in those 10 guys, you have for basically, you know, about six roster, you know, for about seven roster spots. You've got like a, you've got ten players that you can fit for those seven roster spots, and I think that's a really good depth uh, element. Uh, I think the five defensive linemen was a n- serious infusion of young talent uh, and depth we needed on the D line. So I think that I think on the defensive side of things, you know, it was it was really good offensively. You know, it's it's two good wide receivers. We probably wanted to, we should have got a, sorry we should have got a third one. Obviously, we wanted Anthony Evans and never quite found a replacement for him. Uh, the tight end position should be okay with with just uh, Kane McIntyre. Um, the two running backs is just that's great depth for OU, and they're both enrolling early. So I think that was that was the one place OU just nailed what they needed. And again, the four O line are really really good players, and it's it's a good group. I, I think we could quibble that maybe a fifth guy would have been nice. So overall, if you were to give your quantity a grade, what would you grade it? 
I give them an A minus on quantity. I think they're just, if you could have just filled in one of those, one of those spots, either an O-line, wide receiver, or D-line, a defensive end D-line, I think you you push that grade to a to an A. I don't think I can disagree with any of that at all. Um We'll close this out, kind of going over the offensive positions, position by position, uh, just kind of giving your kind of similar quality grade and quantity grade. Uh, do you want to start with the quarterback position? Yeah, this is really easy. This is a quality grade of A+. Plus with a, I know you needed a quarterback. Now, that quantity grade could change if something weird happens with OU's QB depth, but for right now, Plugging Jackson Arnold into the OUQB room is exactly what we need. And that literally, I'm not sure you can find a better quarterback in the country. I'm not sure either. I, I, you know, you, you take a look at his film. He's, he can make every throw on the field. He's physical. He's a big dude. He's faster than I think anybody expected. And it shows up on tape. It's not just, oh, he ran this at a camp. You watch him in the Texas State playoffs this season, and he is just running by people. So in this kind of new offensive era, you need an elite quarterback, and he needs to have some wheels. Jackson Arnold fits all of that, A-plus, 100%. At, at wide receiver, I really like Kenyon Brown and Jaquez Petaway. I'm giving them a quality grade of A even though Brown doesn't quite have that same um, grade by the services. I just think as a, as a duo, and I really love Petaway. I think he might be, might be a five-star wide receiver any other year, maybe. Um, but I, and I think, I think Kenyon Brown is like a top 150 kid. He just doesn't have the rating. So I'm giving those guys an A. I, I bump it up higher if, if the recruiting world Truly gave Petaway his 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 real his real props. Quantity though, it's it's a B. We need another wide receiver, and and it's just no other. And the portal could resolve this and kind of mitigate this grade, but right now it's not. I can't disagree with either of those. We did a little bit of a class superlatives post on the board. Uh, I had Keon Brown as kind of my sleeper to make an impact early pick. Um, you mentioned he's not quite as high in the recruiting rankings, but you look at this guy's frame, his speed, he's agile at his size. He kind of reminds you of some of those bigger SEC wide receivers. And we had some buzz last offseason about Jaden Gibson. Can Keon Brown come in and kind of make a similar impact, but then translate onto the field? We've talked a lot already in this pod about portal wide receivers coming in if we don't fill the the room in the portal like we should brown could be relied upon to make some plays day one and he's enrolling early so he's raw so if he kind of just eats and 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 anybody leaves an opening for him i i think he could he could blow up he's got that kind of he's got that kind of potential Totally agree. Uh, tight end. What are your thoughts there? Well, the, I I love Cade McIntyre on film. He's kind of an everyman for his high school. It's obviously a lower level of competition in Nebraska, but he's running over guys through guys. 
he's he's like a one man wrecking machine uh, for his high school. But the recruiting services don't have him ranked very high. I think it's probably a year before he can probably help at tight end. We'll see about that. He's enrolling early, so he's got a, he's got that kind of power boost chance to, to 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 flip that around. So I've got him as a quality of B. I think you know some folks might say, well, you know, isn't he really like a C plus? But I'm going to move him to B just because of his all round physical dominance on film at the at, at the level he plays. He's just on both sides of the ball. So he's just physically beating folks up. He's uh he's an interesting prospect. He's, he's got the length. He's, he's late. Seems like he's fast. I mean, I know the competition's a little down, but his testing numbers are otherworldly. It, it just seems like he's getting knocked by the recruiting services for his, um, you know, lack of quality competition, but, this is a guy unlike the Grinch kind of era where they're looking at a guy like him saying, okay, he's long, he's fast, he's quick twitch, checks those boxes, let's offer him. He checks those and he checks the film where he's out there. It is bad competition, but he is absolutely destroying it out there. And there's one Playing highlight. Multiple. Yeah, there's one highlight where he's at running back. He runs through seven guys, and it's not like it's not like the embarrassing highlights of Arch Manning, where nobody on the field seems to even be his size. I mean, there's some pretty big guys trying to bring him down, and he's just he's just running all over them. So uh, I I, it, I wish he could have gone to a camp, come come to an OU camp setting. He got a he got an offer before the camp session. Um, I would have loved to have seen him at OU camp for for a couple of days and just see how see how he would have performed, but we didn't quite get a chance to see that. Um, but Matt, on the quantity side of things, I, I'm still thinking OU should have signed a second tight end. Um, we didn't get to see a lot from Helms or Llewellyn this year um, in terms of pass receiving. Uh, I know they brought back, you know, obviously bringing back. Austin Stogner, maybe that mitigates this a little bit, but Stogner only has one year. So I I would be kind of, I'd be happy if our February wrap-up, we're talking about OU finding a diamond in the rough, big, you know, tall, tall, super athlete, tight end looking guy. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I would have even maybe gone with a C plus or a C here just because, yeah. you know, you have a little unknown on Cade. Can he make that jump up? It's it's certainly possible, but you also have the unknown of him getting to campus and possibly getting a look on defense. You know, that really handcuffs you on the tight end position. So I think a second high school tight end was necessary. I'm I'm kind of surprised we're not seeing more portal action, although Venables did mention something in his press conference. So leads you to believe maybe they're looking at another guy hopefully with multiple years of eligibility. Now, obviously, there is a tight end in the portal. He is a physical freak, a five-star player, but he would be on his third university. He found a way to have a meltdown season at LSU, and he's never really contributed at UGA. But And it does not recruit your own problems is sort of the Brent mantra. 
So he he doesn't fit Brent's um, uh, doesn't fit Brent's description at all. But er- Eric Gilbert is six five two fifty, runs a four six, and and if he could ever put it all together, would be could be a first round draft pick. So I'm just throwing it out there. It, it doesn't seem like a fit at all, but at some point someone's going to take a is going to take a risk on on Eric Gilbert and I and I hope for his sake he's able to put it all together cuz he certainly had a he's had a strange couple of years of uh super prospectum yeah he's he's definitely an uber talent um just kind of gotten some some word that he possibly has uh you know some maybe depression or some some something like that going on where he can't really fully buy in it's not really a character issue I think it's more of a um, mental health issue, possibly. So hopefully he can get some help. Um, somebody can find a home for him and really help him grow there. You know, maybe he needs to be at a little bit of a smaller school, a little bit less pressure. Not really sure. Never talked to the guy, obviously. Yeah. So, but if you if if you could somehow help him get straight, and if that if that is indeed the problem, I'm not gonna. You know, we don't know. I'm just spec- speculating based yeah, on what I've heard. It's yeah, it's all over the message board, but you know, you and I don't know him from him from him from anybody. But if you could, if he if he could if he could get all that life, all those life those life pieces straight, and still play football, then I mean, he's he could be, you know, some school could be out there with, you know, take a risk on him, and he could be a huge contributor for him, or he could again just continue this inability, you know, continue this. Just can't make it all work. So who knows? But I, I know regardless, there was- there's a tight end. I, there's a tight end spot out there. Um, I'll mention it because it's because uh, we we've been having some other discussions and talking about some pipe dream stuff out there. Deuce Robinson hasn't signed with anybody yet. I don't know if he's going to sign if he's going to verbal at the his all star game. But the five star all everything tight end from Arizona who was looking at OU once. Uh, appears to still be in play. I, I don't think oh, you can get back involved, but uh, if you were, if you wanted to just, uh, you know, fire up the dream team, pipe dream team, uh, that would be the second guy I'd add. Uh, I would agree there. I mean, those are probably two of the, the best tight ends left. I know that Traore guy that uh, OU liked early just committed to Colorado. Yeah, and uh, the coach, that yesterday. Coach, coach Prime's making some waves in 24 already. He he's gotten he's getting some commitments from two Georgia defensive linemen, including uh, elite nose guard uh, Omar White for 2024. We'll see if he can keep that verbal away from 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 Georgia. He would be the perfect fit for the Georgia system, but he's already he's already verbaled for Coach Prime, and I'm seeing lots of 2024 top ten and top five lists, and all of a sudden I'm seeing that little that little gold Buffalo logo in them. It's, it's unreal. It's going to be quite the storyline to track over the next couple months as the 2024 classes kind of come into shape. Uh, but if we stick with our 2023 class, uh, let's circle back to the offensive line. Chris, what's your quality grade? Uh, it's a, it's a B plus, And that's mainly because I think Caden green is a fringe five-star player. I think Logan Howland is completely underranked. His senior film shows a dramatic shift in terms of his 
offensive tackle projectability. I think he's much closer to like a top 250, top 200 type player. Um, I think Josh Bates at center is one of the top centers in the country. And the recruiting services, as I mentioned before, always devalue centers. I don't quite know why. He's enrolling early. He's a four-star on a couple of services. He's playing in the all-star game. He's a big physical guy. And then uh, Heath Ozetta, who is ranked, you know, he's 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 got a four-star grade with on3.com. So every one of the offensive linemen is a four-star player. I mean, Hayden Green is, you know, a composite, you know, top 100 player. But all of the other offensive linemen, one of the services all think, that he's one of each one of those guys is like a top 250, top 200 type kid. So I'm going to give the quality at B plus. The offensive line prospects like Howland Ozaida are kind of interesting. They're kind of a, a different type of prospect than kind of a beaten ball guy in the past. Um, I know Howland is a converted tight end. They're leaner. Uh, a little bit lighter on their feet. Um, maybe that's kind of a new thing that Biedenball is exploring with Jeff Lebby to kind of get some more athleticism outside again. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, in the past, you know, we've seen the Bray Walkers and the Simpsons and the Alexanders and the Colin Montgomery's kind of these big 6'5", 6'6", 330, 340 guys. Guys who've kind of needed to lose some weight, not necessarily always the most fluid athletes. Big physical guys, but not. But they've got the they got they've, they're they're carrying around some bad weight. Uh, and OU seems to have with the last class with Taylor and Sexton, uh, both around 6'5", 290, 285, 290 range in high school. And now with this class, with this group. Uh, other than Caden Green, who's a, a very much in shape, um, 320, 315, 320. He looks great for that size. Uh, he doesn't look sloppy at all. The other three guys, the other two guys in Ozetta and Howland, as to your point, are, you know, they're, they're guys that will add good weight at OU. They're not small guys. They're not like this 6'5", 250. Uh, they're both, you know, in the 280, 290 range. They don't look sloppy. They're very, they look very good on the hoof. They look very good athletes. They've got some, you know, technique issues on the O-line to work on, but they're both going to be within a year of weight, weight training, you know, over 300, but they, they're not going to have to drop 50 pounds. They're not going to have to have a, a, a total transformation. We're just talking about these guys increasing their strength and size incrementally. Uh, at OU, so it's a, it's a little bit of a change up, and and for the 2024 class, there's a couple of guys that also fit this mold as well. So it looks like maybe Bill is is thinking, okay, I've, now I've got Schmitty back. I know Schmitty will add the weight to them, and they'll get the weight correctly, and they'll be and they'll be at that three. They'll be at that three ten mark the right way. And we'll have Caleb back on in the coming weeks to kind of go over his favorite prospects. Uh, he's a big offensive line guy. Curious to hear his thoughts on, you know, the the beaten ball mold changing a little bit, what that could mean with the scheme going forward and stuff like that. So be looking for that in the next couple of weeks. 
Um, these guys will obviously be blocking. They'll be blocking for two solid running backs that are a part of this class. Chris, what grade do you give the running back room? Well, just to finish the O-line room, not a surprise. I'm giving them a B plus. To get to the A territory, we needed five guys. We're at four, so that's where that grade is sticking. On the running back side of things, I'm going to start with a quantity grade. I'm giving it an A. It's two excellent running backs. They're enrolling early. This is exactly what OU needed after the two running backs they got last year because the running back position under Bulware and due to the COVID year had been kind of neglected. And OU was losing running back depth and didn't have the depth they needed at the running back position. Now we're going to go into spring with four young running backs ready to fight for carries. So the quantity grades an A. The quality grade, it's B plus. I think Smothers is I think Smothers could end up being like the steal of this class. He didn't play his senior year. Everybody in North Carolina says he's a superstar, better than Will Shipley, the starting running back at Clemson, who they observed at the same time. These these, these guys talk about seeing Will Shipley, and he says he sees, and then they see um, Dalen Smothers, and it's, it's, it's Smothers is so much better. So I think Smothers could be the steal of this class where we're like, how do we get this guy from North Carolina? Um, Caleb Hicks, you know, he was in the top 200. On on three, they dropped him. Rivals dropped him, I think, to a three-star. So I think Hicks, for some reason, just didn't get a lot of um, uh, accolades his senior year. I haven't seen his film. His film hasn't updated. So for quality on these guys, it's a B plus. Maybe I should drop it to a B. It's probably a plus because I think Smothers might be that kind of top 50, top 75 kind of running back. Um, so I'm, I'm probably a little over, I'm probably a little over on the, on the quality grade on the running backs. Well, I, I think that's a pretty good, you know, rating right there. Like you said, Smothers has such a high upside that, you know, it could warrant the B plus. I can't remember if it was you or it might've been Caleb or it could have been somebody else mention that it's kind of funny how DeMarco Murray seems to be going after guys that can kind of remind you a little bit of DeMarco Murray kind of pre Cowboys pre it looked like he packed on 20 pounds after OU, but that kind of a little bit longer, a little bit, uh, you know, longer striding kind of guy, one cut can make some moves on the open field. Smothers kind of fits that mold to a T does he not? You know, the tech, you know, the famous DeMarco freshman year run, the Texas run where he hurdles the guy and just, outruns the Texas secondary for the touchdown in, uh, oh, yeah. 07, in 07, that famous highlight. That's before DeMarco had his uh, broke his kneecap on that Texas Tech, that terrible Texas Tech night in Lubbock when um, Alan Patrick fumbled the ball and Sam Bradford got, uh, got concussed. Well, OU, you know, mounted a comeback in that game. Not, that may, not many people remember that, but they mounted a comeback in that game and on an onside kick, DeMarco Murray broke his kneecap. And then DeMarco in 08 wasn't really DeMarco until about midseason. So, and then he started to put on a little more weight. And then DeMarco got hurt in 08. And that's when he started to put on a little more weight and became a little bit more of the bigger back uh, that the NFL would, would see. But when he was a freshman, he was probably 
six foot one ninety something like that, one ninety five, and just just lightning fast. Um, that's what that's I, I can imagine Smothers having that kind of touchdown run uh, if he plays his freshman year. Which would be great because it seems like this year, twenty twenty two, we kind of lacked that, you know, top end breakaway running back. Um, yeah, I mean, Eric, Eric Gray had a great season, but it would have been nice to have had a change of pace lightning bolt guy who could have gotten us a big gotten us big plays so we weren't so reliant on the big play passing game of Dylan Gabriel, which, you know, as we know, we, we think was a little hit or miss. Well, the the playing time, I mean, as far as we see it, it it's going to be wide open for a guy like Smothers to make an impact right away. We saw Javante Barnes got, I think, roughly 200 snaps this year. Um, he'll probably be the bell cow guy next year. But after that, you know, Sawchuck has hardly played. Um, Smothers can come right in and make an impact. Hicks is a guy, uh, you know, you mentioned there's kind of some unknowns there. He's one of the the four early enrollees that is in Orlando with the team. Uh, they've posted a couple pictures of him in the locker room. Uh, one in my mind is him with the the three other early guys, including LeBlanc. And Hicks is stacked. He uh, he has a frame that I I kind of underrated. He's a wide guy. He's got that big thick neck. He kind of reminds you of an old school running back. So I think it's a perfect compliment for. Smothers, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not the quickest guy in the world. Um, you would think, you would hope he kind of has a little bit of Kennedy Brooks in him. Uh, that's to be seen, but pretty good uh, compliment to Smothers. Chris, what are your thoughts on Hicks? Well, I'm going to go back to 07. So do you remember uh, first down Chris Bram? Oh, of course. So I think Hicks is a bigger faster Chris Brown. He's he's got the he's got a great frame. He's about 5'11. He's probably going to be about 215, 220. He flashes a little more acceleration, but he's you know how Chris Brown's just always tumbling forward for like three, four yards, more yards. He was just his body lean and his he, he was he just always got first downs, right? I mean it's like okay, you know, you always you put him in and he just he he was he wasn't the flash and dash of Murray, but he was consistent. I think Caleb Hicks has the consistency parts, and I think he's got maybe a little more flash and dash to his game. Well, you need one of those guys in the backfield. Uh, you need one of those guys at wide receiver. So maybe we pick up a guy or two in the portal. I know they liked um, Harris kind of in that, you know, go get the sticks role. Um, so maybe we circle back to somebody like that, but yeah, I think Hicks is, is a perfect compliment. Um, it seems like we really like this offensive class. It gives Levy a lot to work with well, over the next couple of years. Well, it's hard not to, when you, when you start with the, with the ultimate playmaker, right? The guy with the ball in his hands every time, uh, we started a little late recording because we just watched, uh, the Kansas Arkansas game go to overtime and KU's quarterback is back. And he's just making play after play. He's he's literally willing them to overtime. Uh, they lost, uh, unfortunately, but you know the ultimate playmaker at is at your quarterback being the ultimate playmaker 
and having one of the best. The weapons around him are good. The offensive line group could be good, but it's really the positivism on the offensive side really begins and ends with Jackson Arnold. And we will touch on the defensive side, give some grades next week on the podcast. Uh, In the meantime, we'll be putting more content on the board, Sooners360.com. Speaking of quarterback, there's another storyline to follow that we will be tracking on Sooners360.com. So sign up if you have not. Subscribe to the podcast if you have not. Again, we'll be coming weekly throughout the portal and spring season uh, as kind of the portal shakes out and the class of 2024 kind of comes into better focus. So we will be here next week and we will see everybody on the board. Hope everybody has a great New Year's and enjoys the Sooner game tomorrow, regardless of the result. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.